1: Welcome to Back to Watch Less, Complexes podcast about movies and TV. As always, I'm Deputy Editor the Complex's Pop Culture Cal and the homie Frazier Tharp, the summer man, is in the building.
0: Yes, sir. Not in the building.
1: You're in your building. We're, we are both in different buildings. Because it is not just social distancing. This is a whole quarantine. It's a problem, people. Special edition of the podcast normally we drop on wednesdays but uh <laughs> you, c- you can't keep this heat in the
0: cellar you got to you got to let it out when when the people need to hear it i mean when you have the creator of a hotly anticipated show that's been on hiatus for what 19 months crazy doing the math on that is wild you got to let that fly we got the wonderful Issa ray on today's episode
1: creator and star insecure star of the photograph she was in a lot of... Th- she's randomly popping up in a lot of places. Netflix picked up Lovebirds, which is going to be dropping sometime
0: this year. Because of the Rona? Because of the Rona. Well, I was going to say she's having a hot spring, but I mean, I think you have to take it further back than that because the photograph was Valentine's Day. Like, Yes. She's pretty much like unloading the clip for the whole first half of 2020.
1: Yeah, no, she definitely had a lot. It, it almost sucks that... Uh, the Rona's had to keep inside, but, but it'll be good at least for insecure fans. Cause I think <laughs> judging by the five episodes we've been able to see, not a flex for the screener gang. Um, I love where the show's going more now than I did at, at a similar point in season three. Right. It definitely, I knew watching season three, it felt like they were building up so much that it almost felt like a bridge season two what four has become.
0: Yeah. And I think that's kind of like necessary for shows, even ones that aren't like heavily on like serialization or plot, like insecure. Like, I feel like you get any show that's just following characters. You're always going to have that one season where if you're like doing it right, they can't get here yet. Where so this season have, has to spend this whole time in like some kind of limbo, or whatever.
1: You have, I mean, I, I won't say that that's a pretty good defense of season two of the wire, but you know, <laughs> real heads. No real heads. No out there. Um, but no, yeah, it was really dope. Shouts out to Issa for shit. Even taking the call, taking the Skype call. You know, I, I really appreciate that. we got some good time with her.
0: We did, bu- we did. We um, did. It was hampered by some technical difficulties a little bit, unfortunately, but I again, mean, look, Rona, blame it on the Rona, You
1: blame it on the Rona. The, yeah. It, well, because, you know, you know what it is. It was going well when we first started. You know, you, you connect a mic to a laptop and, you know, your voice and you can record. It's slow. The As the Rona quarantine has progressed, it's put a strain on everything and literally minutes before the call, it's like, all right. One of us has got audio. So you'll notice for a bit that, like, Fraser's got audio. And then later on, I'm actually able to speak as well. Um, it doesn't deteriorate from a good conversation, though. I think it actually, you know, not to dust my shoulder off, but I think it actually might even get better as the uh, the conversation progresses and everybody is uh, is on hand.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, uh, you and I and, like, everyone we work with, I guess, are Obviously, really blessed to um, be able to still do our jobs and uh, stuff that we love for the most part from uh, the comfort of our homes. But I mean, doing this, even when it's just us, I do still miss being in the room because there's like a different kind of spark. But um, I think it's definitely it definitely shows that like this is always so much better when it's both of us because it creates more of a conversation atmosphere and you can at least recreate what we would have 100%. in a room with all three of us.
1: No, oh, That's, that's, that's great. That's a, that's a beautiful, beautifully phrased phrase. That's card. how I do it. Um, we, Yeah. But we, let's get to this Issa interview. You know, we talk, a, talk a lot. We had to get, if you watched, we wanted to get this to you early so you could have the conversation from the creator and the star about the schism that she's thrown in between to the principal characters of the show. Uh, we get into a lot of that. We get into uh one of fraser's biggest conversations adding more onto the mystery that was the the jay-z moonlight music video process we get we get a little bit more from Issa's point of view about that so uh stick 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 around for that talks about working with stella maggie for uh not just the photograph but a very important episode of insecure season four as well um is there anything else we got to say press play yeah That's facts it. press play Take a little break, and then hit you right with that Issa Rae interview.
0: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. HBO sent us the first five episodes. I'm really loving the season so far. Thank you. So this was the longest break between seasons. How did that kind of affect the creative process? Was it refreshing in uh, re-
2: Yeah, it reinvigorated it in a major way. I think we were all tired, you know, since season one. Uh, We've been going back to back to back. Uh, writing, shooting, post-production takes about nine to ten months out of the year. And so it was just like, we weren't living. I wasn't living, you know, using stories that had happened in my life. But, you know, by the time season three came about, I was like, oh, this is like, recent shit, and I'm not living enough, and that means our writers aren't really living enough to be able to contribute, so we, um, that break was just, by the time we came back, we had some new writers, too, so we also had new blood, and it just felt so much more fun, it felt like the first season again.
0: What kind of informed this season's storylines and themes? I noticed every episode, it has the the low-key subtitle.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think the titles are generally just influenced by how we speak and sometimes they also align with the season, but the content thematically had a lot to do with what we've been building um, over the last couple of seasons and, you know, uh, personal experience just with uh, friendships shifting from 20s to 30s and examining what they look like, you know, looking at the people around you. and Uh, determining if they fit with the new life path that you're on. I think uh, with friendships, with good friendships, the great thing is that there's history in in many parts. Um, In many aspects, it's just like this person, we can have a shorthand and they know what I've been through and they know my perspective and they understand it and they know who I am. And I think that can also be the downside. Is just like, because you know me, and because you know what I've been through, you can only see me through certain eyes. And um, as a result, can you see how much I've changed or are you willing to see how much I've changed, how much I've grown? Um, and you fit in with my new journey. And that was something that we found ourselves asking in the room a lot with our respective friendships, friendships that have either lasted or fallen off. and. That would be an interesting journey for Issa and Molly,
0: right? Because what kind of interested me too was that we're so used to um, romantic relationships kind of forming the spine of each season. But from the very first scene, we see that this one is going to be way more uh, on an interpersonal like friendship level. Why did you feel that? Um, oh yeah. Why did you feel that now was the right time to put Issa and Molly to like this ultimate test? Because I remember. You kind of went there a little bit in season one, right? But this feels like it's gonna be a way bigger situation.
2: Yeah, you know, from the beginning, the show has always been about Issa and Molly. And I think uh, audiences have gravitated towards the the love relationships, the romantic relationships rather. And I, obviously they, they play a part, but we've always known that this is a story um, at its core about Issa and Molly. And I think the one of the things that we talked about was this this transition specifically this season where you know Issa's going from her twenties to her thirties, and Molly is too and I think you start to realize who you are and who you're gonna be or who you want to be in your thirties. You start to act on that, and sometimes the people around you just don't necessarily align with that and that can be contrasting and I think specifically this season Isa, who has typically been kind of floundering at work and not knowing uh, her, her purpose, not having a solid career has found a passion and is very work driven this season mm-hmm. whereas Molly is in a new relationship and that's new territory for her and they haven't really seen each other in these spots and I think for for Molly, she's used to seeing Issa kind of struggling at work and and um, not necessarily knowing what it is that she wants to do. And Issa's used to Molly fucking up relationships. And I think because these roles are reversed, they kind of don't. They, their puzzle pieces aren't really necessarily fitting at this moment, and so they're forced to address it in a way that they can't really understand, and we really wanted to just focus on the, the little chinks of, uh, that, that chip away at your friendship over time.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, the Molly friendship is like kind of pretty much um, like a core tenant of the show, so how far do you plan to push this, this friction? um
2: that's something that we discussed you know in the room we wanted to make it as real as possible and I think you'll see over time that it
0: gets real. Oh man it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for a couple of the viewers I think.
2: <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard in real life I said that again I've never had my heart broken by Any man, but I have had my heart broken by my female friends. And you know, those relationships, when they end, it's hard. Or even, you know, getting back together is hard because that hurt lingers. It's real.
0: Now, on uh, a fun side of things, though, I always enjoy how each season has kind of like a like a running TV show in the background. Talk a little bit about how looking for Latoya came up.
2: Looking for Latoya came up because we were all listening to various true crime pod- podcasts or watching various true crime docu series and discussing it in the room, and um, I think it just came up that so many of the people at the center of these cases were white, um, and <laughs> like nobody cares when black people, much less black girls, go missing. Like I think about uh the Cresbus killer who just got away with murdering hundreds of black women and <laughs> like nobody cared the police didn't care because you know they were prostitutes in some cases or forgotten and so we found the dark humor in that of just like what it would look like if there were true crime podcasts true crime podcast dedicated to um finding this missing black girl but also thinking about um, the metaphor of Ethan and Molly's friendship as uh, a murder and exploring the question of who killed the friendship. And we like the idea of putting that alongside this show within a show.
0: Oh, wow. Watching all five, it was interesting to me trying to pinpoint who's at fault. And it seems like it's almost an even split per week.
2: You said almost. So did you lean one way or another? I mean, without giving anything away? Yeah, well... You can't. You'd have to give it away if it's going to air.
0: Well, no. I mean, more so that it's not always like a clear-cut person.
2: But I was just curious if you leaned one way or the other.
0: Mm, Without giving it away, I did lean a little bit towards Molly in some later weeks.
2: Interesting. Okay. Uh I'm very curious to see if it'll be more one sided or if it'll be split.
0: Right, right, right. Uh and also the sight of Ray J just made me laugh out loud.
2: <laughs> He's there's a lot to laugh at there. He provides lots of laughter. He is he commits to whatever he does.
0: Now another interesting thing about this season is um you you explore Issa's family a little bit more. Like we see more of um, her brother. We see you guys as parents later on. What went into that decision? Because um, in earlier seasons, it always struck me as interesting that you didn't delve into the specifics of her family that much.
2: Yeah, I think for that came as me being a uh, a television fan. I never really found interest in seeing for particular shows, their family, if it it wasn't necessarily relevant to the story at play. And I felt like the story that we were telling didn't necessitate seeing Issa's family outside of her brother. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think given that, you know, this tension with her rock, her most solid friendship figure, it felt like the right moment to, to see where Issa came from, to see why she relies on this relationship so much, to see how this relationship, um, how much it matters to her and um, to get a sense of, get more of a sense of who she is and
0: where she thinks she's going. The Easter eggs that you guys have done with past seasons where like season one had Drake lyrics worked into the bar, into the dialogue and Frank Ocean lyrics worked into the dialogue. Are there any kind of Easter eggs that fans should be looking for this year?
2: yeah for sure there's a couple actually um there's two things that we have playing alongside each other uh but i'm not gonna reveal them people just people just find them
1: (laughs) (laughs) do you guys think of specific ones for each season are these just ideas that come up to you and you're like hey maybe i'll slide this in one day
2: the one of the easter eggs was just like oh let's, just do, this. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. just do this every episode and see if people notice and there is a it, it does play a part symbolically with with what's happening um in front of the screen but you know some of the lyrics and even last season I, I think I only saw one person that got it. it was just like something that we came up with in the room um and decided that we were going to do it in advance
1: yeah, I will I will say, in searching for season three Easter eggs, it's either, like you said, if one person got it, they didn't really tell nobody, or nobody really picked up on it, because I haven't seen really anything in regards so it was to the point. We were trying to figure it out, I think, early on, and I don't know if we couldn't pick up on it, or if it's just that well. I don't know what the situation is.
2: Literally one person added me and was like, yo, is the Easter egg this? And I just liked it. And I was like, oh, okay, they got it. <laughs> it we knew that it was like... It was subtle, and you were gonna get it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, But it was basically internet
0: memes. Yeah, I, I did see like, that actually. No,
1: no. No. I th- okay, so we were on the right path. I think it was it was up to like episode four or five. That was a chain we were noticing, and then I maybe I we probably got discouraged and just said "fuck it." Up. But I don't uh, blame you. Yeah. no, but
2: that's
1: but that I mean, shit, that's dope though for a show, for a show like, like Insecure where there's so many relationships and things going on to still be able to throw that stuff in there to get the real people you know tagging on to that stuff is genius always genius
0: now a couple of years ago during an interview you said that when it comes to acting you can take it or leave it I was wondering though in those years since and you've done more roles especially stuff like leading the photograph has that opinion changed or is your opinion towards the craft deepened a little
2: Yeah, it's made me want to get, it's made me with more opportunities want to take it more seriously. And I think, you know, I've been saying that in the past where writing um, and producing has been at the top of my focus list uh, with these last couple of opportunities, it's made me realize how much I want to put acting, you know, higher on that list. And just in, in terms of sharpening the craft and getting better and getting as good as I can um, cause I think, you know, I owe it to the people that I work with to, and to myself to just get as good as I can at all of the crafts. So for me, it's just really, um, it's fun. And I think, you know, I still can take it or leave it, but when <laughs> I take it, I, I want to do it well.
0: Now, is there a hat that you still prefer more than in terms of like acting, writing, producing?
2: Oh, writing all day. I think. Um, that's just it's just fun, As, especially when it's collaborative. You know, right now in quarantine, um, I'm writing by myself, and I still find fulfillment. But it's there's just nothing like being in a writer's room and bouncing on ideas off of people, and it's just it's it's literally fun. You're creating something from nothing, and you know, even with this, I I just wrote a new pilot and. In, in finishing that i was like damn you know this came from scratch mm-hmm. and there's nothing more satisfying than that beyond like oh now it's there's a visual element now we've created it and people can see the the german of, of an idea that's been fully executed
1: do you, do you ever have plans on getting more into the director's chair in the future
2: Oh, I have no desire, that shit seems like, <laughs> it's just a lot. Like I, I've never enjoyed it. And you know, I only did it in my web series days, mm-hmm. but I was never happy doing it. I was always stressed. And then when I saw real directors, they always look so like chill, like they're having the best time. They're not yelling, <laughs> they're not worried about time. And I, and that's when I realized, oh, this is not for me.
1: Mm. But is that how you saw it? Cause there's word that Carrie Washington has an episode that she directed this season? She killed
2: it. Ooh, yeah. Her episode, like everybody was on, everybody was in top form because of her. Um, she really pulled a lot of things out of um, all of us. And um, she was just the perfect person to direct her particular episode.
1: Was that similar to how uh, how Regina King was with the finale last season? Because I didn't realize that she had directed as much as she really has over the years. So it's always interesting to see those types of actors come up and step behind the behind the uh, scenes to do, especially of an episode of a show like Insecure.
2: Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and say that actors who become directors are superior. I'm just going to go ahead <laughs> and say it because they've been on both ends and mm-hmm. there's a consideration that they have. They're not trying to waste anybody's time. They know what they want. They know how to talk to actors to mm-hmm. get what they want out of a scene. Um, I think that you know, where television is concerned. I can't speak to film, but the television experience that I've had with actors turned directors has just been phenomenal. And Regina is so low key and fun and just makes you want to be better
1: yeah taraji shared similar sentiments about directing. i believe she directed an episode of empire recently that was the first time she was there the way she was talking she said yeah i'm pretty much i can't wait to get back in the in the driver's seat for another project so
2: oh shit go taraji i'm so excited (laughs) to hear that i love that
0: so let's get back to the photograph what was that experience like leading your first feature film
2: um intimidating but Stella is so fun to work with you know having worked with her on Insecure like that was interviewing her for the job was the first time I had ever met her and I was mm-hmm. like oh, okay she's cool she seems like she could do it and then the her vibe on set was just like we felt like friends it felt like we had a shorthand and um, I just really liked her intuition her being a writer and director she just felt like she got it, and she pulled so much out of me and Nathan. So um, I was just excited about the opportunity to work uh, on something that was her vision entirely, her vision, and to just be a vessel for her. And she was very specific about what she wants and does not want, because um, she would constantly tell me, "Uh, uh-uh, don't use that expression. Don't, mm. don't, no, you know," or like, you know, think about. She, she, she had a very specific vision for me, and it dawned on me in the middle, like, oh, this is you.
1: Yeah. May mm-hmm. is you. She's definitely a, a creative that puts a lot of herself into the projects, but it's always interesting to see the May being Stella in the photograph isn't necessarily what you're seeing in, you know, The weekend or things like, or, you know, Gina the Joneses. She's really good at splitting herself and creating a character for that particular portion of her life. It's fascinating. Yeah,
2: I think that's that's very telling that she's the great storyteller, but also that she's who has that many personalities. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad she noticed it, too.
0: Did you relate to the May character at all?
2: I did. I think the lack of vulnerability um, or the fear to be vulnerable is something that resonated with me a lot. Um, Just in relationships. Obviously, Mays came from a deeper place, just given her relationship or lack of relationship with her mother. But um, in that sense, I completely understood her Her unwillingness to open up
0: now with that and then lovebirds coming uh, a little later some people would might seem to think that you're going for like the the rom-com queen title
2: no what <laughs> no um i have no desire i don't think that's a real title i was just attracted to um with lovebirds the script you know the script was really funny and relatable to me um, initially because it just felt like, oh, I've been in this type of relationship before where you're just kind of not hearing each other and you have come to a standstill. And then the, the prospect of being able to work with Camille, who was already attached, really excited me. But yeah, I, I have no desire. I, I want to try different genres. Again, to go with the take it or leave it thing, I only want to take stuff that I have not done before or that challenges me in a new way. Um, so that's kind of my approach.
0: Yeah, I saw that you're um, working on Vengeance, which seems like a really a different zone for you. And that's that, that was
2: fun. Yeah, uh, and you know that's not that territory. Like that script is really, really good, and with such a very specific lens. Um, so I'm excited for BJ's project. You know him, another another creator. Like to work with another creator who has a very specific vision, who's mm-hmm. also the director and in it. Like I find that fascinating. So you're just kind of operating on their terms, but he's very collaborative and um, big on rehearsals. So that was, that was fun to do.
1: Are you a big fan of horror?
2: Am I a big fan of it? No, I don't watch it. Uh, (laughs) I'm too scared. At all thrillers. I've seen them like if someone's watching it, like someone was watching it on the couch and I was like, ugh, fine. (laughs) And that shit was scary as hell. but no, it takes a lot for me to watch. Like I have to be dragged. The last horror movie, well, I saw Us and Get Out. But before that, the last non-black horror movie that I saw in theaters was a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that oh, gave me wow. nightmares forever. That was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, I it. It was too scary. <laughs> Jeez,
1: what? So are you are? Are you getting into a lot of? Uh watching a lot of different things during the quarantine or are you just working?
2: I'm just working. I watched uh, Tiger King like everybody mm-hmm. else and Ozark, but beyond that, it's just been writing and working, staying busy. Yeah. Were you I actually to?
0: did not watch I, Tiger King. I'm the only person. Yeah, for real. Should I do it? You didn't watch it either? I don't know. I
2: mean, it's it's definitely like if you're already like, damn, white people are crazy, you don't need yeah. to watch it. <laughs> yeah. not <laughs> change your opinion um it's just interesting if if only for one moment that's captured on camera that you're just like I can't believe this happened I think that makes it worth watching but um beyond that no
0: or so it's interesting it's good like a, a lot of people I think thought they would be so much more creative and productive in this this quarantine setting, but they're mostly just in up watching TV. So it's inspiring <laughs> to hear that you're getting some work done at least.
2: It's because I have to not to go crazy, you know. Especially as mm-hmm. it starts, I was just talking about this. Like initially, it felt very abstract, uh, just this this virus that like you hear impacting people and that feels abroad, and it just keeps on. You know, I know you guys feel like because you're in the epicenter of it. Mm-hmm. But it just keeps on getting closer and closer to the circle, and I think for me it is. I've just always been that way of just like, oh, let me just pretend like everything's normal, and <laughs> you know, uh, not think about it and work my way through it.
1: Yeah, I think it, it's interesting to think about how how much life has changed within the last couple of months. You know, you th- even realizing like, damn, the photograph only came out. A month and a half ago it's, it's it's kind of insane to see how how drastic the world has changed you know because we were even it's situations where like you know one of the biggest things that happened so far the the Oscars was hair love getting its win. Can you yeah. talk about you know your experience with that project and what it was like to you know know that that particular project ended up winning you know an academy Award?
2: I was just happy for everyone involved. You know, I donated to that Kickstarter campaign when, you know, Matthew first came out there. And I've known him for a while. And just to see that journey um, and all the work that he's put into it uh, was just inspiring. And, you know, my journey was pretty simple. He just asked me to be a part of it and wrote me this long, passionate email. And I was just like, yeah, of course. Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. I just love what it stands for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's, that's all him, that's all them. And to be able to announce it that day was, was mm-hmm. thrilling. I was so, so proud and happy for them.
0: What's interesting to me is that the uh, idea of the, the block party on Insecure is, is highlighting local talent. And your show typically has a lot of great music selection. Like one of the things I love about Insecure's music is it's always like album cuts. <laughs> you know no. like I think uh like boredom was a great one and then I was watching this season and I heard Steve Lacey and I was like damn is this a new song and I was like oh this is on the album that I already have and I just looked over this one so that made me wonder a what are you listening to these days
2: Ooh, what am I listening to usually I don't like to say because I like my music all my music that I listen to comes out via the show but I have to shout out, because even my, I did a last minute placement, I was like, I got to get him on the show. Let's replace this. I'm sorry to the artist that I initially placed that I'm about to replace, but I got to get in on here, because that is, that's one that I'm listening to on repeat. Like, it's, an, it's, a, it's just an EP, but, you know, the seven or eight tracks, I don't skip. It's just, it gives me a feeling. And it's just, it's, his voice is phenomenal. And he just makes you feel. So. I'm listening to that super hard right now.
0: And then did that kind of, did your um, you're dipping a toe into the music world. Did that kind of lead to um, the Amine guest spot, which is very fun.
2: Yeah. I mean, every season we always talked about how we never wanted to have guest stars that were like super big celebrities, but we did say that we wanted to, in the same way that the different world used to break music artists, like Tupac was, you know, mm-hmm. one of his acting debuts is on different world. Like we love like, the idea of placing musicians so, with Jadena and um, Galant was last season. And yeah, Amine, uh, I've been a fan of his for a very long time. And he even got to be in his, his music video, Spice Girl, back in the day. And uh, I just reached out and was like, yo, because he's a really good performer. He's a good director. He's so multi-talented. Uh, and I was just like, "Hey, I have a role for you if you're interested." And he happened to be in town.
0: That's dope. Yeah, he killed it. No, he's hilarious. You, you, um, <laughs> you have radio now, which is kind of like an extension. Like, feels like a natural extension of everything you do on Insecure and all your other projects musically.
2: Yeah, it's really exciting um, to have that to be an extension uh, to use the platform to promote artists that i love that you know that may not have the opportunity to be showcased elsewhere um and you know i gotta shout out the, my president benoni who's just been instrumental in expand in not making it a traditional label and putting us into and making us an audio everywhere company so that you know we are in music supervision we're in we have a library. We, in addition to being a label, we're just we're doing as much as we can in that space. That makes sense.
0: No, mm-hmm. oh, definitely. Now, are we going to see Star sixty nine get resurrected under that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, not. Okay. I was going
1: to say we'll take that as a no. <laughs> Keeping it music, I, one of the, the early scenes that always cracked me up or continues to crack me up is the, the music debate that you have with uh, Lakeith at, during the date. With, you know, the Drake stuff, you know, you mentioned earlier about the, uh, the Easter egg in season one. Did you have any influence on steering that conversation within the film? Was any of that ad lib?
2: It was definitely an ad lib, but it was in the script. Like, Stella wrote that, and mm-hmm. I remember thinking, like, I can't do this again. I'm just going to, like, all the characters I play going to fuck with Drake, super heavy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, But it was her script, so I was like, fuck it. And, but it just so happened that um, Keith was a huge Kendrick fan, and I'm obviously a Drake fan, so a lot of those ad-libs came very naturally, and the passion was there on both sides.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, what's it like, what was it like working with Lakeith and uh, also Lil Rel in that film? Because you guys have kind of crossed over in numerous different projects at this point, And it feels like a, a dope, like loose community that you guys and others like Gerard and people like that are building within Hollywood.
2: Uh, it was fun. This is the the, uh, the most extensive project I've worked with uh, on with Lakeith. You know, we did the Friends video and beyond that, we had only seen each other at various parties and and things like that and had mutual friends. But he's, he's an artist. He's fearless. He's committed. He's just, he gives his all to everything he does. And even working with him was just like very inspirational. And, you know, he just makes you want to step your game up in every capacity. I think even just watching him for me, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. The game is like this, this has, this is changing the game. And you just know that he's going to be, he's going to be here to stay. He loves doing what he does. He's a fucking weirdo in the best way. Um, and he, with with Rel, he's just, at any room he walks into, you're just, you know, you're at ease. You know, having worked with him on Insecure and seeing the, the improv that he brings there, he's just. I can only describe him as jovial um, and supportive. Like he mm-hmm. just wants everybody to win at the end of the day. And you can feel that. Uh, I've never seen him be competitive with anybody. Uh and, but he'll, you know, he's not afraid to also just speak up when, when he knows shit is not right. And I love that about him.
0: Word. Now, when he was up here uh as a guest on the show, he mentioned that. For the Friends video, you guys did a take that was all improvised dialogue, but no one recorded it.
2: <laughs> no one recorded it. There were two things. We did one that was, <laughs> it was so interesting. So Alan, uh, this is his idea, Gerard's idea. Um, but while directing it, he was like, you know, do it the, the Friends way. And So we did it the white people way. And then he was just like, do it your way. Like, how would you... It, it, and we took it as, like, do it the Black way. So we all did it, and that shit was fucking hilarious. Like, Black Rachel, Black Chandler, whatever it was, it was funny as fuck to us. But then after, Alan was like, no, let's just do it the regular. way. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's what you got.
0: Would you guys ever consider, like, reconvening to do, like, another just one-off, unconnected thing with that?
2: I would love to. Just... Given that cast, you know that was that was my first time meeting Tiffany Addis and um, oh, wow. uh, Tessa I had met a while ago, but yeah, the friendships were formed that day, and I would I would love to to do that. And that was my first time meeting Gerard too, and I just have such an admiration for him as well.
1: That's dope.
2: Well, I guess
1: finally, you know, I, we insecure is dropping it's going to take over a conversation over the next you know eight weeks uh lovebirds is also scheduled to drop on netflix but outside of those projects what can we expect from Issa throughout the rest of the year uh
2: well shit who knows given (coughs) that we're on pause i mean as you mentioned I, i did the movie in new mexico with bj novak i don't know when that's coming out um but i'm writing for The rest of the year. I mean, we go back to the writer's room, I think, uh, next month or at the end of this month Mm -hmm. month, uh, for season five. And then I'm writing a a show called Rap Shit for HBO Max right now, and then a movie that's an adaptation of the Italian film Perfect Strangers. Um, And so those are two things that I'm working on that I can talk about. So who
0: knows? Staying busy. Now, you mentioned getting in the writer's room for season five, but um, and this might be premature, especially with season four just starting. But do you ever are you ever thinking of an end point for the show at this point or no?
2: Oh, yeah. Since season one, I've known when the show was going to end. Interesting. Interesting. Why do you say interesting?
1: Well, because I I wonder if it's in terms of storyline like you have an infinite you, you have a defined moment of ending for the story or are you speaking in terms of like number of seasons
2: oh that's a good question um um i think well it's come to it's converged so okay. yeah i think I, I i knew when i wanted to end it and then the story also has decided to end at the
0: same point got gotcha. you well hopefully it's not too soon because we're enjoying it right now
1: yeah yeah well, thank well, you. Not, not to spoil anything I, I i told myself the other day i'm gonna watch two episodes and then go get some other stuff done nah my dumb ass sat there all five episodes was, <laughs> yeah i ran through em. it's it, it was it was good I, I don't know if it's corona season and it's like you know like you need something new that's dope or what but you know it had me it had me so you got that that's
2: what Sucks. Well, thank you for that. But I am. I'm so worried about I love the week to week. I love the rollout. But in an era where it is binge, we're in a binge era. We love a slow build. And so I hope people stick around because the first five are so much different than the last five. So, okay. um, yeah, I want people to stick around. Give, be patient.
0: I yeah. think they will. It's it's a, it's definitely a big timeline show. And it's, that's one of the like the. The um detriments of screeners is like, I just can't wait to to talk to people about it and see how they react. Yeah. So it's going to be fun.
2: Y'all are really good at not giving spoilers. The people who get screeners. cause
0: yeah. Yeah. Frasier,
1: he hates getting spoiled on things. So I've learned over the years to make sure to... I have to word things a certain way so I don't mess up his group Because he will... He doesn't get too mad, but when he gets mad, it's usually about getting spoiled on a show or a movie that Yo,
2: that's forward, so. me too. Frazier. I feel like I will fight somebody for that. And even, <laughs> I don't even want to hear, oh, you're going you to like that. Like, I don't want to hear that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hate that.
0: <laughs> that's so. like a cardinal rule of watching. If you've if you've seen something and you're watching with me, don't do that or we can't do it. Thanks.
2: No, we can't do it. I can't watch it with you.
0: All right, Issa, well, thank you very much. Really appreciate you taking the time out.
2: Thank Thanks, you, guys. Issa. Have a good one. You too. You too
0: all right fire talk with isa and setting up what is going to be a very fire season i think she made like a very interesting note um a little bit towards the end there where she was like worried about how um especially with everyone stuck inside they would be a little frustrated not being able to binge it but i think this has always been like a you know how, how i feel about binging
1: yeah regardless
0: yeah. but i think insecure especially has always been um a really big Timeline show that everyone likes to watch together and then argue for like the rest of the night into Monday.
1: It was, it followed because I think a lot of people had that pegged for like, for lack of a better term, like black audiences. I think for a time people thought that that show was Empire, but I think, I think Insecure had a way bigger twitter timeline wave specifically similar to you know a game of thrones it was like you knew right. you knew what time it was on sunday by the conversation on the on the timeline and insecure for that length of time it's on the air it always has a timeline shook so yeah that is kind of <laughs> surprising but
0: i mean i feel her but if it's on hbo i think people even today still respect the weekly flex
1: no a hundred percent and and again they're telling a story that The way the way it's structured, it's made for that, you know, you're you're given endings where you can go in three or four different directions in terms of, you know, who's going to be messing with who, you know, who's about to, you know, be a little shady or whatever. Why was somebody shady? Like even just even the conversation you have with Issa regarding it, you know, sides are differing already.
0: Right, right, right. yeah. This, this, it's going to be interesting because I think uh with care obviously, you're always so used to it being more like a like a battle of the sexes, right? Yeah, it's like yeah. Lawrence High versus people defending Issa's decisions, and um it's going to be interesting to see how people get into more of the Issa and Molly of it, mm-hmm. and how that falls apart each week. Because I mean, like you were, like you told her, like we kind of ran through those episodes. It was, it was a little hard not to, even mm-hmm. though we were doing it for work.
1: There was a lot but, of juice, um, extra
0: juice in there. I can't even so I can't even remember what happened when across some of the first five, but it is going to be interesting to go back and watch it along, with everybody.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, because it's not just i will give too much away. It's not just one thing. Like there are multiple instances. It, 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 again, the way it's structured, it, it's it it really plays out in an intriguing way, and I think the the week to week binge, it's something that it at the very least in times where you don't even know what day it is, like this is something to look forward to. It's it's something to you know, collectively take in and then discuss until that next appointed time. Like, you know, we, we only got so much these days. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Thanks to HBO for at least pinpointing when Sunday is. Thanks. <laughs> <point. laughs> I guess on, on that note, we, we should wrap this up, you know, one more time.
1: Shout out to Issa. Insecure season four, Sunday night's on HBO. Um, If you're rocking with us, you know that we normally drop episodes on Wednesdays. We will have a Wednesday episode for you this week. So don't even trip. We're going to make sure you know what day Wednesday is. Uh, Keep it locked with watch less on Apple podcasts or wherever you guys get your podcasts from at complex pop on Twitter and Instagram. Get in the conversation. We ain't got shit else to do, but talk movies and TV anyway. Um, If you do find us on any of those podcast spots, please like, comment, rate, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, That's it. Fraser. any final thoughts? I got nothing. All right. Well, shit. For Frazier. I'm Cal advising you, as always, to tune in, wash your hands, stay inside, and watch less. Peace. Watch Less is hosted by Fraser Tharp and myself, Cal. Our producer is Taliba Newman. Associate producer and sound engineer is Jasmine Plata. Production manager, Chancel Correa. Talent booker, Anthony Allred. Junior booker, Austin Bailey. Our director of talent relations is Kristen Price-Harrell. And our senior director of operations is Jen Stewart. Watch Less is a part of the Complex Podcast Network.